0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Talk Tuners. Lately, I've been making some positive changes in my life, but it definitely wasn't easy, nor did it happen overnight. With the help of talk therapy, I've been able to grow and unlearn behaviors and beliefs that were causing me to feel stuck. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. And special offer to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Steph and Steph. That's BetterHelp.com slash Steph and Steph. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.
1: Hello. Lovely talk tuners, welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes, the show where we share the stories and memories of the music that has shaped our lives. I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey y'all, Stephanie Pena here. What's up? What is up, talk tuners? We're here today. Have a great episode. But before we are going to do a little bit of our traditional chit chat, um, I'd just like to talk about a show I saw this weekend, Pena. That I think, yeah. Yeah, I think you would really have enjoyed it. I would have loved it if you could have come uh, with my friend and I. But it was down here in L.A., the Microsoft Theater. Mm -hmm. And it was a show with a bunch of guys. It was Arrested Development, Color Me Bad, Tone Loke, Kid and Play. There was even more. But, you know, I can only stay for so long when (laughs) these bills get very long. So it was a lot of acts. It was a lot of acts. But it was a wonderful show, and I had uh, just such a great time. And out of all those that I just mentioned, just have to give props to how much I still to this day just really love Arrested Development.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: They're so great. Like, they're so great. Guys, before there was a TV show, there was the band.
0: Exactly. Prefer the band over the show. Like the show, but music first, always.
1: Exactly, music first should be the slogan of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So great for folks who don't know, of Development's big hits were Mr. Wendell and Tennessee, both great. I think you'd know the rips if you heard them. I'm not going to do that for you guys today because I just I don't think you want to hear me sing today. But go listen to them, give them their yeah. streams <laughs> because they're fantastic.
0: They They're are.
1: They are. Yeah. And
0: y'all, okay, just a little hint on Tennessee to refresh the memory. Y'all, let's go play a game of horseshoes. A game of horseshoes. And if you didn't catch on to that, then y'all really do need to go look them up and uh, get yeah. on it. That's awesome, Stephanie. That's Absolutely. fucking great.
1: Absolutely get on it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I'm They're- jealous.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're my favorite out of that little bill. For folks Mm -hmm. who don't know, tuners or learn about them, they're known for very social justice oriented music um, and their stance and just being very open about uh, the ways in which they seek to enact social change. And they're just so great, right? The music's just so solid and great. There's great showmanship too during the show, which you don't Mm. always get, you know, just the choreography, just on point, just ready to engage the audience. So that was my highlight. I enjoyed the other acts too, but it was just a, it was just a great life affirming show. So hell yeah.
0: I mean, cause this is stuff we grew up with. That's fucking great. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. No, thanks for sharing. I got to see if they're going to do a Texas leg. Um, and if they are, I'm totally on it. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. Now with that said, talk tuners, um, we're going to continue talking today about hip hop and I couldn't be more excited been waiting for this one for a while <clears throat> and I went through some hints and y'all should know this if you're a fan. All right. You ready? Let me clear my throat. What band says that? You know what I'm talking about, right? We're talking about the Beastie Boys. Yes. And their 1994 smash sabotage. y'all yes bc boys for those who don't know who the bc boys are they are three bad brothers from nyc they are adam mca Yock, adam ad rock horovitz and michael mike d diamond myers take it from here
1: yeah just love these guys and oh. i know for talk tuners who might be listening for you guys too it's very hard for me to talk about this band in the past tense You know, and even in the research that we did for this episode, you know, one could almost forget that they're no longer in existence until you see all the write ups come across saying, right, this is past tense. They're no longer a band. But it's so important that we just talk about how they absolutely changed the landscape of hip hop and talk to nerds who weren't around when they came out. You have to understand that they were doing what no one had done before. Yep, no one had done it. And Licensed to Ill their first album made history in 1987 as the first rap album to hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. So they gave hip hop that visibility. Ironically, these white kids.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up, Stephanie, because, um, you know, on that note, I'm definitely not taking anything away from the BC Boys. I'm a super fan, y'all. I have been literally listening to them ever since I got into this thing called music. No lie. But I do want to mention for those listeners on the line that are maybe new to hip hop um, and rap that hip hop didn't start with them. Okay, they're definitely a big influencer. Major anyone who's a hip hop fan is going to like at least one BC boy song, if not five. All right, straight up. However, um, just for some hip hop knowledge, do you want to say that it's widely considered that hip hop was founded in 1979 by the Sugar Hill Gang, and their first release was Rapper's Delight. Um, So definitely check that out. Another fun fact is that actually the Beastie Boys were a punk band before they decided to do hip hop. And because License to Ill, if you guys do know that album, it has so much rock integrated with the rhymes. It was easy for them to hit that mainstream. So a part of me thinks that they were like, um, I'm a big fan of new metal, uh, as I've said in past uh, episodes, and new metal is a mixture of rap and rock. In my opinion, Beastie Boys kind of started that because License to Ill has a lot of heavy rock along with the rap. And so, you know, that's very easy to hit the mainstream and honestly, really be real with it, the color of their skin, right? We've, we've talked about this plenty of times. It's the fucking reality. If you don't like it, then it, it, I'm sorry. It is what it is. Um, you know, even MTV at the time um, wasn't even showing black artists or hip hop for that matter until one year after License to Ill was released. In 1988, MTV launched their show, Yo! MTV Raps. So, you know, just, just have to throw that out there. Given, go throw a no shade, but just definitely just want to, you know, make sure that we give props and we really, you know, kind of know where the roots came from, for sure.
1: Yeah, the visibility they uh, received initially and some of the reasons that they received that visibility. So thank you, Stephanie, for that. And as I was researching this too. And just thinking about them coming out at that time, found this great piece credit to spectator world that said in New York in the 1980s, anyone could be anything. That's how a punk group comprised of three Jewish kids was able to socially transition into hip hop, team up with super producer, Rick Rubin and go on to release the first rap album to crack the billboard 200. And, you know, we love Rick Rubin production on this show. We have mentioned (laughs) him many times in many episodes. So it's very cool that he worked with, them on that album and it's also worth mentioning too just in the spectrum of things that russell simmons was their manager and helped guide them yeah in this world um, including helping them get gigs booked at legit hip-hop bills
0: yeah because you know rick rubin and and russell simmons they're def jam def jam major label for hip-hop they introduced pretty much everyone we love and on that note, um, you know, where it all started, Rick Rubin actually would, uh, was friends with the Beastie Boys while he was attending NYU. And um, they would go, <laughs> some of the Beastie Boys would skip high school. I've, I've, I've learned um, from, uh, from a show I was listening to. And they would go in and just collaborate with Rick Rubin and throw down rhymes. But check this out, something that's really cool that I want to add to Beastie Boys and how much of an impact they've had on, on hip hop as a whole. Did you know, Stephanie, that Ad-Rock is the one that discovered LL Cool J?
1: Did not know that till recently.
0: Dude, dude, how cool is this? So, you know, everyone's giving samples, right? Everyone has their tape, their demos, right? Their cassette tape demos. Well, somehow Ad-Rock got a hold of it. He listened to it and he he gave it to Rick and he was like, hey, man, you should work with him and check it out. It didn't end there. So Ad-Rock actually... um, he actually made the beat for LL's first single. I need a beat.
1: <laughs> and, Love it. Uh,
0: yeah. And so the show I was listening to y'all, sorry, I had a brain fart there for a minute was, um, Ad Rock and, and Mike D were on LL Cool J's rock, uh, rock the bells. And cool. that's a, that's a radio station. And so they had a little interview and it's pretty cool, man. So, um, I do remember LL Cool J accepting the award as he was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame, thanking the beastie boys, thanking Ad Rock. So, Bring that all full circle. Super fucking cool. Super cool. One Love more it. note, right? That's so, I mean, ah, it's like so small world, right? Small Love world. it. Like what, what was going on in New York where all of these amazing artists were just hanging out? Like, wow. Wow. Well, wow. wow. magic, just magic. One thing I do want to mention y'all for folks that are BC boys fans. And just to give credit to kind of their, their story, you know, they got a little bit sour with Rick Russell and the BC Boys after the release of License to Ill due to royalty, the royalty splits. And I'll leave it there. Um, definitely you want to check out their BC Boys book. It goes into more detail, um, but definitely just wanted to give a, a full picture of their story. But uh, over time, I, th- I think everybody's licked their wounds and, and everything's all good.
1: Sure. Time heals things for sure.
0: Uh, Absolutely. But yes,
1: Definitely suggest that folks check out that book was just going to also share with folks who might not know. be like, what's a beastie? Where'd that name come from? I'm sure some talk tuners are like, might want to start us there. And it's interesting. So although the band did state that beastie is an acronym standing for boys entering anarchistic states towards inner excellence, um, in a Charlie Rose interview, um, Both Yak and Diamond acknowledged, actually, that the acronym was an afterthought that was conceived after the name was chosen. But you know what? I thought it was a fun story. So
0: it worked out, right? I've always thought that. I was like, what is a beastie? I'm like, whatever. It's cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. They're so smart. Like, these guys are smart. They're just brilliant. They are brilliant. Oh um, my gosh. Well, let's go ahead and, and jump into Sabotage. Steph, kick it off.
1: Yeah, Sabotage. So glad we're talking about this song from them. That's definitely my favorite song of theirs, I think, of all time. I think my second fave is probably uh, Intergalactic. But... Good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love Sabotage. I always put it on workout mixes. Just every part of it is amazing. And so we're going to get into it, but think a little bit about where the song come from. Again, from the Beastie Boys book, Ad Rock Explains, uh, jokingly, he wrote the lyrics about the group's then producer, uh, Mario Caldado Jr. And he wrote, I decided it'd be funny to write a song about how Mario was holding us all down. How he was trying to mess it all up, sabotaging our great works of art. <laughs> I dig it. I dig wow. it, guys.
0: That's Awesome. That's awesome. And any BC Boys fan online knows that the BC Boys mention Mario quite a bit in their rhymes. So I love yeah. this. I love it. Sabotage is definitely one of my favorites, too. This song made such an impression on me when it came out, not only because it's the shit, but all right, guys, what was really big at this time? Music videos. And this video was on point. Oh yep. my God. Gosh, insane. So Spike Jones at the time, um, he was hitting the scene big, making all these really amazing videos, and he partnered with the BC Boys on a couple of theirs, and in particular this one. This one was so good that it got um, nominated in five categories at the 1994 MTV MBAs, and that was a big deal back in the day, y'all. So amazing. super amazing, super amazing. For those that haven't seen the video. The video pays homage to and also paradises the 1970s crime drama shows like Starsky and Hutch in Hawaii 5-0. So good. It's got it, it has the action, the comedy, and sabotage itself has so much energy. So I totally understand why you put that on a workout list. Um, it's so good. I've never done that. So I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, like I can see myself like sprinting. I should put it like towards the end of a you know, if I ever do a half marathon no. or a 10k again, be like, ah can't stand this. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh, so good. Y'all, sabotage is made such a splash in music in general, just not in the MTV world, just not in hip hop. That in two thousand and four, Rolling Stone ranked sabotage number four hundred and seventy five on their five hundred greatest songs of all time. That's pretty cool.
1: Incredible of all time, guys, you know, like what an absolute honor, but they deserve it. They deserve it. They went through quite a little making of the song and we found some really fun facts about what that was like. There's a great piece, uh, credits to Sound Gym, where just really broke down what that was like. So Sabotage almost didn't get on the album. Ad Rock said, hey, this is recorded as an instrumental um, my vocals weren't oh. added until two weeks before the record was completed. It was actually the wow. last song on *Ill Communication* to be finished at all.
0: Wow!
1: Yeah, what? Yeah, kind of nuts. Kind of nuts. And they um, that instrumental, that initial instrumental, uh, was coming out of a jam session and. Mario sat for an interview and he talked about this at length and he said, you know, Adam is in the studio. He's working on his bass sound with the super fuzz pedal that he loved. He came up with that riff, kept jamming it for a while, get really deep into stuff, focus hard on it. Eric Bobo heard that riff while sitting in the control room, ran out, started playing a rhythm on the mm-hmm. uh, timbales. At which point Mike D entered the control room and said, what's going on? And Mario said, go in there, go ahead and follow Eric. Uh, so that's what he did. He uh, accented the bass riff. his drums. And after that, Money Mark came in, heard what was going on, jumped on the organ, wow. hit one chord, turned the organ all the way up, caused the distortion. She heard the song. Yeah. And then Ad Rock heard what they were playing. I told him, go for it, said Mario. Again droning on the guitar, <laughs> added some rock chords, and he said the track at that point just came together. So, Ew. so cool. So but it wasn't even it wasn't even over, right? You think like, oh, okay, well, this took some conception here but no there's more and at this point so Mario was able to get the track together he recorded that at its a little moment of creation but uh, the BCs actually were like you know maybe this track is too rock
0: yeah yeah this yeah. album
1: they couldn't figure out like what to do with the vocal he's like mm-hmm. oh, this is it working and then he said Adrock said I'm not gonna go to the studio so he asked Mario can I come to your house so they ended up recording <laughs> and mario's is is a little home studio. And Uh Mario said, "Adrock came by, performed the lyrics that you hear on the record. He nailed it. One to two takes and was like, oh my God, that's it. And Mario said, you did it. It was perfect. And and Mario said he knew he'd captured something special. He was like, we're not going to re-record this vocal. We're taking all this and put it on the record. So such a cool thing to give to us, right? Like to come to us as a gift, it had to go through that birthing process.
0: Yeah. What a birthing process. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Absolutely love it. Wow. Thanks for that knowledge, Stephanie. Crazy. Um, so something that I came across very recently in February of this year, HBO um, had released this movie called Kimmy It star Zoe Kravitz, who is uh, Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet's daughter. Um, It's a movie loosely based on a true story um, about a a woman that is uh, definitely like a a germaphobe. But the reason why I bring this up is because the movie uses sabotage. And I've never heard a Beastie Boys song in a movie at all. And I'm like, damn, that's super cool. And also what's cool is because Zoe Kravitz, who's playing the lead character, she's very strong, very strong lead character. And, you know, the BC Boys definitely had, um, you know, had a lot to say about social justice and standing behind women. So kind of want to bring that full circle.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that. I'm definitely going to check out that movie. It's so interesting how they'd made this evolution, right? Over the years, yeah. it feels like with that, with the movie, they'd kind of come full circle. And something that they'd been relatedly just open about is their own evolution and how they made amends for kind of their early days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people say it's like Beastie Boys are a great example of how artists can see areas that maybe they didn't do great in initially and turn it around, become true allies, which is a great slate piece that just talked about the misogyny of their early years. They called it like noxious and pervasive, it said, they called yeah. out the song Girls. They're like, it's appallingly sexist and very typical of kind yep. of some things they do. The live shows, objectified women. Um, it wasn't, you know, a safe space, like for women. And then they said, too, it said the misogyny extended past the band's output, because as the group transitioned from punk to hip hop, their drummer, Kate Schellenbach, was gracelessly dropped from the lineup for not fitting with the emerging, what they called a bro-centric direction. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, yeah, that's you know, and that says a lot. It's like, oh wow. But, um, and as this says, in credit to them, they said turned it around. They said, yeah. you know, kind of a miracle happened. BC's heard criticisms about this misogyny and this homophobia, and listened to them, and changed their behavior. And from that point on, sexist lyrics stopped appearing in their songs. The 1994 song "Sure Shot" famously included verse. Um, MCA yes. apologized for the group's past misogyny and ad rock wrote a letter to time out New York, apologizing for the band's past, which I thought was really cool on both counts. And then in 1998 um, the beasties uh, publicly fought with uh, the band prodigy who were at that mm-hmm. point really big and said, Hey, I don't want you to play the song smack my bitch up at this festival where we're both appearing. So and that's like a really, their song, right? That was yeah, like their big like, hit. That's their song. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So Using their own considerable voice to say something and to actually perform allyship in a way that's not performative as it were, I think was really important. And to tie all this up too, it's like they had their apologies. They had regret about their behavior and talked about it. And again, the Beastie Boys book includes a chapter written by Kate Schellenbach and she gives her side of the story from how she was told to leave the band. She reconciled <laughs> with the Beasties and they championed her band, Luscious Jackson, which I yes. think many folks know um, mm-hmm. were great in and of themselves. But there was a great, was a great quote uh, in this review of the book. It said, somehow the guys who'd risen to fame playing shows in front of an enormous hydraulic penis turned themselves <laughs> into a model of how to grow up gracefully. Disarming the tired argument about sensitivity negating comedy post-Reformation Beastie Boys material is still tremendously fun. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that's so cool. So anyway, I thought that was a really cool full circle way and really a model for yes. a of public figures receiving criticism can actually say, oh, how do I use my platform for good, right?
0: Absolutely. And MCA really led that y'all for real. Um, he went on a spiritual journey and, you know, just to reiterate what Stephanie was saying about the, you know, the shout out and apology to women and sure shot, um, you know, the, the rhyme itself it, it, He he blatantly is apologizing. He's like the disrespect to women has got to be through to all the mothers and the wives and the sisters and friends. I want to offer my love and respect to the end. That's dope. And, you know, that is, um, yeah, that just like plucked my heartstrings even more. But, uh, you know, I can still jam the girls, but that's just me, Um, you know, but they came on the scene. They came on the scene as party boys. They were absolutely. And I have to admit, I mean, they fought for the right to party. Let's be real. It's probably the first song you heard from the Beastie Boys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. So that it is what it is. Right. So Beast Boys are amazing. And I have to really admit, y'all, it's kind of embarrassing, but I don't care. This is how much they've had an effect on my life, and I just think they were so cool. Um, I drank my first Budweiser because of them, because they they rap about Budweiser like throughout the whole damn album, uh, "Licensed to Ill," and I was like, okay, you know, um, I have to do this. Really funny. So on that note, Stephanie, I'm just gonna give you some random memories, to talk to and talk tuners that um, I just want to share because they're they, these these are just precious memories. So y'all check it out when I was in kindergarten, I had a huge poster of them and on my wall. And I remember telling my mom that I was going to marry Ad-Rock. Like I told her whoever, which one they were. And I'm like, I'm going to marry Ad-Rock. And (laughs) what the hell? And as I, you know, learning the rhymes, learning their music, um, Ad-Rock mentions he's a Scorpio and I forget what song it is. And I was then a teenager when that song came out. And I got so excited because I'm a Pisces, y'all. And if you know anything about astrology, Pisces and Scorpio is supposed to be like super compatible. Yeah, it's dumb. Sure. Maybe a little cute. I don't know. But I find it funny. So, um, yeah, I had a hard crush. Hard crush.
1: I got to interject something here for the Please. talk tuners. I just want talk tuners to understand that Pena was in kindergarten when she had a huge poster of the Beastie Boys. I don't think I knew that many, like, cool, plugged-in kindergartners. But I want everyone to kind of just take a moment and appreciate that. Five years old. Like, what? I love Ad Rock. (laughs) I just, wow. I'm like, yeah.
0: Oh my god! I I mean, no lie, y'all. I remember my my parents still have the same house. I remember where that poster was in my room, like straight up. It was right by the door. You turn in right to the left, bam. Oh. <laughs> it's too funny, man. So I got in the Beastie Boys because I have an older brother, and I got into Beastie Boys because of him. He's four years older than me. And I remember um, that him and his homies did, um, they were part of the talent show. And at this time, I believe it was like sixth grade or something like that for him. And it was still part of the elementary school. So they did they did uh, their awesome rendition of Pass the Mic. And th- the crowd didn't know what to do because I mean, Beastie Boys still, they're popular, right? But they weren't super, super duper mainstream. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, I just remember being their number one fan, jumping up, yeah! you know, um, can I get your autograph type thing? Um, (laughs) and so growing up, my brother always listened to Beastie boys. And this is, uh, I want to give a shout out to someone, um, who was my brother's friend. His name is Steve. His sister, Laura and I are the same age. My brother, our brother and Steve are the same age. So we all grew up together. Laura and I actually used to rap Paul Revere, um, when we were taking breaks in Miss Hanley's sixth grade GT class, cause that's, you know, just what you do. We would just wrap it out and, uh, yeah, love me some Paul Revere. Love, I mean, you, you, gotta love Paul Revere too, right? So I mean, it's just, it's, great. It, it's a fun song. It's a fun totally. Song. Totally. On that note, something more current, not too long ago when I was, uh, my last go around with New York, um, I'd always go to this bar called Irish American with my homie Dre and they do karaoke. And uh, I don't always participate. We know Stephanie is like the ultimate karaoke queen. But sometimes I just take a break, y'all. I mean, if y'all... Yeah, yeah. I didn't know so, you ever take
1: a break. Okay.
0: I take a break sometimes. And so I would just go there to drink, you know? And if I felt like doing karaoke, I would. But it's because, Stephanie, you didn't go with me to this bar. Because if you did, then I would always be pumped to do a song. Oh, my
1: God. And that's what, that's what so it was. That's so
0: funny. That's what it was. And I don't know that's why so you funny. didn't show. But check it out, y'all. So... There was one night These three ladies were on stage And they were trying to do Paul Revere Passing around a mic And they were just totally cutting up the song Like it was bad They were laughing They didn't know what they were doing I mean after a couple of beers And not Budweiser um, But I went up to the stage And like literally like asked them Like can I help you out And I grabbed the mic And I just took over I took over where they left off I don't need the fucking prompter I'm just like let's go And the DJ was like damn, you're so good that he restarted the song. So I got to do the whole thing over. And the crowd was just like jaw dropped. And like, what is this? And the funny thing is too, on top of that, the group that I was with, a lot of those friends that I was with, m- minus Dre, don't know that I have a super love of hip hop. And so they're like, they know me as, you know, definitely the, the heavy metal chick. And I'm like, man, I, I I cover all bases. You don't know me. So anyway- <laughs> I wish somebody would have filmed that. And I think maybe Sherman did, our buddy Sherman. So I'll have to check into that, Stephanie. I wish you were there. My God.
1: That's incredible. It was epic. And I love that the DJ restarted the song, as he should, really. As he should.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So those are my random memories, y'all. I just had to share because there's... I love these guys so much. My gosh. My gosh.
1: They're incredible. They're incredible. And, you know, it's like we're sharing all these happy memories that we have with them. And then of course, like tragedy struck the beasties as well. And unfortunately, as listeners probably know, MCA is no longer with us. And uh, and it's really, it's a really, really sad thing. And yes, I just was telling folks and Penny, I know I've told you, but I remember really clearly when MCA passed
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I was at an offsite work event, um, doing some kind of team building, and my coworker uh, saw that he passed and announced it. We all just stopped. We all just stopped what we were doing and really just decided we we're going to share our memories of the Beastie Boys and the role they played in our lives and what a sad thing it was.
0: Yeah, man. And I we totally, you know. Yeah. My gosh, my I can imagine. I myself had like completely, um, different experience. I wish I had somebody to talk to at that time. I was working in corporate America and I was a contractor. And I remember, um, just being on, I think it was like MSN. Like I happened to be Googling something and I saw it come up and I was like, Oh my gosh, like my heart just sunk. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I have to text my brother, you know, but, um, but you know, I'm, I'm literally working for the man. So I got to stay on point while my tears are coming down my face. And I'm like the worst you know, it was is it awful, awful, awful. Um, NCA though, he lived a beautiful life. And um, you know, I don't know if guys know this either. Um, he actually spent a lot of time at Cheryl Crow's uh ranch um before he passed. So he was doing a lot of riding horses and just coming and trying to find peace as he was battling cancer. So Um Cheryl Crow's match. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Check it out, man. I I would never have thought that him and Cheryl Crow would be homies, but you know, whatever. I mean, this is great, you know. So it's just nice to know that he was able to connect. Of course, he was loved, but able to connect with artists in a different way. And um, you know, I I can't imagine. I just uh yeah, gosh, I wish they were still here for real. But on that sad note, Stephanie and I got the chance to see them and uh yeah I'm gonna let Stephanie talk about this one it's good stuff
1: uh, yeah so on a happier note we did get the chance to see them together um mm-hmm. in part but you and I Pena, got the chance to see them at a very memorable show back in June 2004 the yes. Jones Beach Theater it was called the K-Rock Dysfunctional Family Picnic mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and we're going to talk about all the acts that were there, but, uh, but the Beastie boys were there. I found the set list. They played root down sure shot and open lettered NYC body Movin', brass monkey "Pass the Mike Paul Revere, triple trouble, three MCs and one, DJ should check it out "Intergalactics," And so what you want? And you know, it just sounds nuts, but in the middle of this show we'll share all the folks that were there. Crazy ass bill. But um, surprise guest Jay Z like came out in the middle of this. Of course, in he the did. Middle of this dysfunctional family picnic, came out for one song. They, uh, they he came out and played 99 Problems" That's out of nowhere. Ass. So you know, this was a memorable show for us on yes. so many levels. Uh, we always talk about these uh, amazing New York shows that we yes. saw. It's just you know they're pure magic in so many ways. These things that would go on. But, yeah, this yeah. bill, the bill itself was incredible that day. It's so, insane. Um, it's insane. Yeah. We were, like, losing our mind overseeing the Beastie Boys, of course. And, you know, this bill, it was Cypress Hill <laughs> taking back Sunday. We had Jay-Z come out for one. <laughs> the Newfound Glory, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Strokes, Story of the Year, The Darkness, who I love, in um, mm-hmm. Midtown, and even a couple more acts than that. So it's just, like, it was just a mind blowing day to be out in Jones Beach, where you really kind of have to make a day of it.
0: You do, mm-hmm. you know,
1: out there seeing them and just seeing them at you know people talk about seeing people in their prime, mm-hmm. but man, they're just in their prime for so long, just giving it their all in these shows. It was just incredible.
0: Yeah, man, I still have the the program from that.
1: Oh wow! Okay,
0: hell yeah, y'all. K Rock was a major radio station. It's where um, Howard Stern actually used to do his morning show before he switched over to Sirius. This is a big deal, man. Um, I I remember <laughs> June of 04. Um that's when I just moved to New York. And so I was super stoked. I'm like, oh my God, what is this? I love this place.
2: It's so magical.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. But that was <laughs> That was insane. Um, but that was my second time seeing them. My first time was actually back in 97 in San Antonio. Um, they played at the Alamo That's Dome with cool. Rancid. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay. And then they're touring, touring with Rancid, right? So, I mean, yeah, they have the punk roots there. And they're, I mean, they're just an eclectic band, man. And uh, so, of course, on my like thinking, this is my chance to get an autograph from Ad Rock. And so I stayed after the show and hoping that, you know, the tour bus or whatever, that I'd find it. I didn't. But me and my friend were doing laps around the Alamo Dome, and we ran into Tim Armstrong, who's the lead singer of Rancid. He was straight up just chilling on the dome stairs. And I was like, where's Ad Rock? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, they left. And he, like, invited us to his after party. We didn't go. But imagine if we did, right? I'm like, I am not interested in y'all. I need to see the B-boys. I need me an autograph. So I was on a mission. My mission failed. Okay. All right. It's all right. It's all right. So, yeah, Steph, that was something else. So um, outside of that, um, the chance that we saw him in 04 New York, I got the chance to see him one final time in New York. We just mentioned talk tuners in a previous episode about MC five and we saw Stephanie and I saw them um, at the central park summer stage. These are free shows. I saw the beastie boys for free. So cool. For free. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I remember our homegirl Lexi, she's the one who, uh, we both worked together to get the tickets. I remember how we heard it probably on K rock or something, but we got them. And I remember, um, at that time, just being young, young professionals scared to be like, I have, you know, that I need to take some time off. So I was like, I have a doctor's appointment. Yeah, no, I didn't have no doctor's appointment. I had to leave early to go to <laughs> central park to see the beastie boys. Um, So, you know, I went and I met Lexi there and I took the A train because at the time I was working on the West side of Manhattan. And so I'm going up to Central Park on the A train. I shit you not. I'm not lying. The train was that pretty, that car that I was in was pretty empty. And I'm sitting in a bench by myself and directly across from me is Mike D. (laughs) I am not shitting you. And he's wearing a blue suit And a tie, and I just I I was I looked up and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, this is crazy. I froze, I didn't get an autograph, nothing. I am I I was just starstruck, right? So I go and I tell Lexi, and we're just like, oh, this is so cool. And so we're so bad as she's a super fan as well. So we actually got on the barricade. So we're at the very front, right? Oh my God. It was so hot that day too, but who cares, man? It's the Beastie Boys. I got sunburn for the Beastie Boys. And, um, when they came out, I'm telling you, I don't know what song it is. And I wish I do remember, but, um, Mike D started rhyming about his trip on the A train to the show. Like he rewrote it and I'm like right in front of him y'all. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like my mind, like I was right. That was Mike D. He was still wearing the you know, yeah. he was still wearing the blue suit. I mean, how fucking cool is that? Like, what? And then I, and back then, I didn't even have, like, I wasn't taking pictures like crazy. This is 2007, you know? I wasn't there with my, you know, my amazing camera phone, you know? We didn't I mean, have that fucking flip phone, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. I was dead set in front of them. And, you know, and just before we recorded this, I had to make sure because I'm still like shocked. And I went to Brooklyn Vegan and just looked up that show. And, yep, you will see Mike D in that blue suit. You'll see Ad-Rock in a black suit with sunglasses and an MCA. I think he's wearing a black suit as well. And, dude, I just brought me back. How fucking lucky am I? Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God.
1: On the train. And you see a Mike D in a blue suit. You'll never forget it, you know?
0: New York, man? That is New York. What? That's the best New York moment I've ever had.
1: You yeah, know? that'll do ever. It.
0: ever, ever, ever. And man, they are definitely loved by the city of New York, for sure. Oh, my gosh. And they've been in the news lately.
1: For that love that New York has for them. So folks may have heard this, Talk tuners on the line. It's been big news the there's a big campaign to rename a street corner in manhattan um, to beastie boys square and it took nine years it was nine years after the campaign first began but yeah. it finally happened so cool um just happened in july it's folks who are familiar with the lower east side it's the intersection of ludlow and rivington streets and mm-hmm boys fans will know that that's the intersection pictured in the cover photo of the 1989 album Paul's Boutique yes so cool so cool and that one also you know that one was a little bit of a sleeper had slow early Mm -hmm. sales took a while to get to double platinum status it was 1999 before I got it so both of these things were kind of this little exercise in patience happening in tandem But so cool that that stands for, you know, conceivably all eternity right there. Beastie Boys Square there in New York. Can you imagine
0: MCA just, you know, smiling from above? I mean, that is so dope y'all I mean paul Paul boutique that's their second album, just a little you know a little knowledge there. it was like Steph said, a sleeper um they they did they parted ways with jeff Jam they weren't they didn't have the producing of Rick Rubin and the promotion of Russell Simmons, however, one of their best albums still amazing, check it out if you haven't um shake your rump man, and you know, um that's all I gotta say, shake your rump so man, this was fun stuff this was fun I am. I'm I'm so, I'm like such in a good mood talking about the Beastie Boys. My gosh. So, uh, but every good thing has to come to an end, right? Y'all remember, um, we are a member, a very proud member of the Pantheon Network. Check out our brother and sister podcast. They are just as uh, big music nerds as us, maybe, maybe a little more, give them some credit, yeah. maybe a yeah. little more, but uh, there's definitely a lot of good gems there, so check it out and please, um, you know, check us out on the socials, you can find us at Stephanie's Talk Tunes on IG, FB, and TikTok, and at Stephanie's Talk on Twitter, and of course, if you want to reach out to us via email you can reach out to us at Stephanie's Talk at gmail.com
1: yeah, we got great merch. Go check that out. Stephanie's We're everything everything at once It's your one-stop shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen on. to the new episodes. What do you wait for? All of it. All of it. And, you know, just thanking everyone for the interaction. You know, we love folks uh, sending comments and fun questions our way on Twitter, yeah. as folks often do. We love comments there and on Good Pods. And thanks for finding yes. us on Good Pods. Those are lovely reviews. Really appreciate it. And just wanted to share with TalkTuners too, we actually have some guest spots coming up on several shows, um, including a new podcast on the Pantheon Network called Rock is Lit. It's going to be really great. I'm really excited about it. We'll also be on the podcast Neurons to Nirvana. So more details coming for that soon, but watch the space and we hope you'll join us for that because, you know, we got things we want to share with you and we hope you will have a good time with us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is Stephanie Pena, y'all. I'm out. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see y'all in two weeks. Stephanie Myers, out. Peace.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.